What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Geekly Bi-Weekly. I am one of your hosts, Gabriel Fast, and today it is the Game Reel Reviews. Today we're talking about a, uh, a game that I spent around 80 hours playing. Um, by the end of it, I was very conflicted, so I had to kind of think about it a little bit and really write down, you know, write down what, what I was feeling and what I was thinking and, you know, that's, this is, finally we're here. So today we're talking about Days Gone. So Days Gone is a PS4 exclusive from Sony Bend Studio. And, um, at first glance, it looks like something that's right up my alley, um, you know, it, it very much looked like they were trying to kind of build a Rockstar-esque world. And at times, I felt like I was playing, like, Red Dead Redemption or something like that, just with the lonely feelings of, you know, wandering and things like that. So, um, there were times where it was very reminiscent of that, but unfortunately, at times, it just doesn't quite hit the mark. So... We're just going to dive right into it. Um, I might let a spoiler out here and there. Um, you know, it. I wrote a lot of things down, but it may lead me to think of some other things. So if you don't want to be spoiled on Days Gone, you better you better turn it off. But if you don't care about being spoiled, you ha- then just stick around, all right? So um, you've had plenty of time now to decide whether or not you want to be spoiled or not. So here we go. So let's start out talking about the plot. So... The game begins with a cutscene, um, a kind of an awkward cutscene. It kind of feels like we're coming in at the at the the middle of the game, but it's very it's like a prequel basically, like a prologue. And um, essentially, we find out that uh, Deacon Saint John, uh, a member of the bike gang, the biker gang, the mongrels, um, he and he and his wife and uh, his best friend Boozer are on the rooftop waiting to be. Um, taken out of the city because there's an epidemic that has broken out in their city and um, they're waiting for evacuation so the the medivac his name's O'Brien he comes in and he's like listen I only have room for two of you so this is kind of where this is how the game starts off this is kind of where I start questioning something um, because he says there's only room for two of you for two more people so you'd think that um, Deacon would go with his wife but he doesn't. He puts his wife on the helicopter and then stays with his friend Boozer because uh, he says that Boozer isn't going to be able to survive all his own. So all on his own. So he's very loyal to his to his biker his biker gang, the Mongrels. And I mean, you take a look at Boozer. Boozer is like a buff dude. He's bald and has tattoos all over his bald head. He doesn't look like the type of guy that needs like. A personal bodyguard because you take a look at Deacon and yeah Deacon's like a little rough around the edges but I mean if they were to go toe-to-toe I would definitely put my money on Boozer but that's just me so that's how the game starts off he's he gives a his, his ring it's a, a ring of a dog a mongrel takes his ring off and gives it to his wife and she um, gets taken off into the <laughs> into the, the the night I guess I mean and he's just looking up at there, you know, looking up at her leaving, and Boozer is just kind of like, "Dude, what did you do?" So that's what we get. And then um, it pans. It's about two years, two years later, and Boozer and uh, Deacon are riding through the streets of what is supposed to be like Oregon. Which I'm gonna come out and say, it, this game is beautiful. It, it is. It is a very good looking game, photorealistic at times, even. 
So they're driving through, you know, the plot kind of ensues, and then whenever you hit the pause menu, I, I never learned what, what this means, but at, when you hit the pause menu, it shows you how many days gone it's been. So I'm assuming that means ever since the epidemic broke out, that's the days that have been lost because of the epidemic or whatever, but I think you start around 620 or 640 days gone, and then um, I ended up playing like 250 days or something like that until until you know i got to the end of the game or whatever so it was like 890 or 900 days gone is what it's supposed to be so it doesn't really explain that but that's kind of beside the point i'm digressing um so the plot let's just kind of get into the plot and obviously this is an 80 hour experience i'm not going to get into every detail of the plot and you know my last review of katana zero was kind of all over the place and i recognize that but um you know, that was kind of a complex game to get into as well, and I just, it's my game of the year so far, so I really wanted to talk about it, but um, this particular game, Days Gone, the plot, it, I'm just going to come out and say it, it's just not that interesting. Um, you know, you you kind of learn later on, you encounter a, a, a recording of someone talking about O'Brien, um, the medic who was trying to evacuate you. They're part of this company called Nero. And um, once I learned about this company called Nero, I kind of had the story figured out, um, honestly. Um, so you kind of gather that that O'Brien is still alive, like he made it. And he, you never find your wife at the beginning of this, so they kind of allude to the fact that she's probably dead. So you find out that there's this guy, O'Brien, so now you want to find out uh, you know, where O'Brien is at, because... To your knowledge, everyone who went to the, went into that helicopter died that day. So that's kind of where you go down the rabbit hole of trying to trying to find your wife or find out what happened to your wife. I mean, it's been two years. For those of you who have who are married, I mean, imagine if you went two years without seeing your wife. And we'll kind of I'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But um, it, spoiler alert: you find your wife at the end of the game, basically, not the very end, but you know the last seven or eight hours of the game you're you're with your wife and when you find her it's very awkward because you've gone through this whole thing of trying to find your wife and she doesn't really like I don't want to say doesn't want to have anything to do with you but she kind of came to grips with the fact that you were dead even though that you were kind of holding on this whole time (laughs) and um Deacon you kind of gather at the very beginning Deacon does not give any craps whatsoever he is a um a tried and true biker. I mean, he's very unemotional and, uh, they make that, they beat you over the head with that the entire game, um, that he's just not very emotional yet. He's still nice to people. It's kind of a a weird dynamic, but you find your wife, which I kind of gathered you would, you would find, you would find her alive. And the way you find her alive is kind of interesting, but this O'Brien guy is kind of leading you to her and trying to, he's like, yeah, I'll tell you what happened or I'll show you, I'll tell you what I know, but you have to do these quests for me or whatever, you know? So you have this whole side quest. They call them, um, they call these things, uh, storylines. So there's all these different storylines that are basically your progression of quests that you get. And it shows you what you have. So you start out with like 12 or 13 storylines that you're playing through and some quests or some missions that you do have multiple storylines attached to them. So it kind of was a it was kind of confusing at first, but once I got I actually liked the way that they set it up because it kind of gave me a a roadmap of how much of the game I had left. So whenever you would complete one storyline, one or two might pop up. You know, so it's kind of like, okay, so I have about this much time. So that was nice kind of knowing how 
how uh, how much time I had left in the game. But the plot as a whole, you know, it's very predictable um, and repetitive at times. A lot of the the missions you receive, and it, it takes a long time to get places in this game. So you might get a quest in one area, but it might be, you know, let's say you get a quest from, because you have to go to all these camps. So when you go to these camps, the people who are leading the camps give you quests. They'll, be, they'll call you in, they'll walkie-talkie you in. Um, you're you're kind of like a, a merc of sorts. So they'll say like, hey, St. John, we need you to come do something for us. So you'll go to them and they'll be like, hey, yeah, can you do this thing for me? So you'll go do it in one area. You come back to turn it in. And then whenever you turn it in, this is the one big problem I have with this. As soon as you turn it in, they want you to go do something else around the same area you were just in. So God forbid, don't give me a, a whole set of quests or a whole set of tasks to complete. That way I don't have to keep going back and forth. I mean, th- that alone probably added at least 15 hours to the game of going back and forth so much. Because, I mean... It can take ten or it can take ten minutes to get where you need to go. I mean, up to ten minutes at times. I mean, it definitely has the Red Dead um, effect, and they really want you to like care about your your bike and all this stuff. You you know you got to have enough gas to get where you're going and all this stuff. So it there just felt like it, it just felt not realistic. I mean, not 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 that I'm saying that they wanted you to feel like it was realistic, but it just it, it's hard because. They did want you to admit, they did want you to feel like this really happened, and it, at the end of the day, it is a video game. But that just, that aspect I just didn't particularly like of having to compute, you know, do the same quests over and over again. Basically, is what was happening. There wasn't a lot of variation in the quests. Um, at times, this this plot feels kind of like cheesy '80s movie, but not in a good way. It doesn't know that it's being a cheesy '80s movie. It's trying to be like serious at times. And there, I'm not saying that there's not any good moments in the game because there are some cool plot moments and things like that. But, you know, it just doesn't, the payoffs that you do have, they just aren't really worth what you went through to get them. So, sometimes they are. So with certain quests, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that was cool. It's those little moments of clarity that make me want to keep going because I'm like, what's at the end of the tunnel? But as a whole, you just don't get that much gratifying things um, or gratifying moments coming from you know, coming from this game, from this game's plot, um, and there, there, there are a lot of cool things about this game, I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm being down on it, but I mean, I have a lot of negatives with the plot, um, the ending by far is definitely rushed and does not feel earned, um, the whole tone of this, this whole game is like very much, you very much get the feeling that the world is doomed, Bad things have happened to innocent people. Bad things continue to happen to innocent people through the game. You know, um, tribes are, not tribes, but like camps are warring against each other and nobody's playing nice. Um, it's, you know, it, it definitely feels very post-apocalyptic and that kind of is a realistic outlook as to, um, you know, how things would be kind of have these isolated areas where people kind of do their the uh, things their own way in each area. So each time you unlock a new piece of the map, you get a new camp you have to go to, which each camp has its own currency. So the missions you do for that area, um, you know, has its own perks and things like that. Like one camp might have really good weapons or, you know, one camp might, might have a lot of crap for your bike so you can upgrade your bike. And you really don't even get to fully upgrade your bike until the very end of this game. So, and by the end of it, I just didn't really feel like I needed to explore that much. Um, but 
you know, it's the plot is okay, it, and that's just what it is. If I had to give it a grade out of ten, I'd give it a six point five. Um, so that's that's all I'm gonna say about that. We could go on and on and on, but we must move on. So now we're gonna talk about the gameplay a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the. There's a lot of really good things about the gameplay. Um, it's very punishing at times, especially at the very beginning when you literally have some of the worst weapons and games I've ever seen. But it was very reminiscent of like The Last of Us, how challenging the, the Last of Us was. Whenever you know, you'd start out without any perks or abilities and things like that, and uh, you know Joel's gun would kind of sway, and it, the way it looks and the way it feels very much kind of reminded me of that. And I mean, you know, if you shoot someone in the head, I mean they're dead, but it's very hard to shoot someone in the head. Um, <clears throat> it kind of feels like a Far Cry meets The Last of Us mashup, so it gets very sweaty and very um, serious when it needs to be. All of the action sequences felt very believable to me. You know, there's lots of raiders and there's marauders and there's all these camps you have to kind of dispose of, and each time you dispose of a camp or take care of a camp, you uh, unlock their bunker, you can go down in their bunker, it gives you a new crafting recipe, like, you know, Molotov cocktails, or a variety of crossbow bolts, things like that, but, you know, those those camps are scattered all around the map, so you have to kind of, uh, you know, un, uh, un unveil the fog of war to be able to find those, because you just find them as you explore the map, um, but that was very, that was very fun, it's very, that was, that was probably one of the more, the more fun things that I did in that, in that game was the things that the activities to do within the world, uh, kind of, kind of reminded me of like, like I said before, like a Far Cry game. Um, another thing is, uh, the hordes in this game are really, really, really cool. I've never seen that before in a game. I think we've seen it attempted before, but never in this fashion. Um, that is by far the best part of this game, in my opinion. Um, you, go out at night you can just encounter them usually at night they're not usually out during the day and the freakers haven't even talked about the freakers yet at all the freakers are a very interesting um enemy because they're not zombies they're mutated humans they've been affected by a virus and um i'm just going to get this out of the way right now you find out spoilers you find out that the company nero is the reason why uh the freakers even happened so to me, it's like, wow, so you're really just taking the best parts of Resident Evil, The Last of Us, and Far Cry and throwing it into the same game and trying to be like Red Dead Redemption 2 or any other Rockstar game where it's open world exploration. So that's pretty much what this game is in a nutshell. But I just wanted to get that out of the way. That way I didn't have to explain it later. You find out that Nero is responsible, but the hordes are amazing. There's different, as you keep going on, you keep unlocking new types of freakers and they have interesting attributes. There's one freaker in particular called a Breaker. And it's essentially like fighting the Incredible Hulk, especially the first time you encounter one. Um, very, very menacing, very scary at first. But once you upgrade your weapons or get better weapons, it's he's kind of a cakewalk at, at times. There's actually an achievement you can get um, where if you kill one with just a knife, you get a trophy for it. And I did it. And it took it took a while, you know, because they can kill you in just a couple hits. Um, the combat uh, kind of goes into the gameplay as well. The combat um, is is interesting. Uh, other than than uh, gunplay, you have melee weapons, which you can kind of repair, similar to how you can repair things and craft things in The Last of Us. Um, if you break a weapon, it's broken. But as you keep, I mean, if you damage a weapon enough, it gets broken. You can't you can't hold on to it anymore. But you can find scrap throughout the world. It's a resource at your disposal, and you that's what you fix your bike with. That's what you fix um, your melee weapons with. That's what you craft things with. 
So, but it's very, it's very uh, sparse. It's hard to find scrap throughout the world. But um, I found a, the best, like the best melee weapon in the game. I found it, so I maintained that crap as long as I possibly could. And um, it, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the uh, the combat mechanics in this game. I, I didn't. A lot of people complained about it. It very much reminded me of Alan Wake, if you remember that. Lots of dodging, lots of you know precision dodging and things like that and kind of keeping keeping your enemies at a distance as much as you can you don't really want to head you know go head on into a fight unless you have strategically planned out what you're going to do in your head you do get a focus um, ability that allows you to slow down time and make moves more um, precisely and more carefully Um, it also gives you a little I mean you can aim down your sights and take out hordes way it's mainly for hordes but um, it is a cool ability to have the, the skill tree was a little disappointing to me because I felt myself not really using the things that I, you know, that I kept unlocking. It didn't really give me a, a, a huge variety of things to choose from. It was very just generic things like, you know, I'm, they're, they're, I'm not saying there's bad ones. Like, there were some that could perk up your melee abilities, but you didn't get those until, like, over halfway into the game. Um, you have ranged hunter abilities and melee abilities, I believe. So, um all of those kind of fit in and each time you level up which does which can take a while you get one skill point you unlock it and after you've unlocked half of or more than half of the tree it opens up the next tree that you can start going down so you don't have to complete each tree it opens up as you as you progress but um that was kind of underwhelming <clears throat> as a whole the one of the biggest mechanics of this game you know the hordes is one of them the freakers are are really cool i like the freakers i like the way they operate I, it would, that was by far the, the best part there of the game. And there were times where I was like, man, I am tense because of, you know, whether it would be a horde. Sometimes you can just drive right past them. But, I mean, if you're going, if you're not going fast enough, they can get you off your bike. I mean, they can jump and throw you off your bike. And then if there's a horde around and they do that, you're screwed. But um, I found the Freakers to be really interesting. Um, the bike, though, this is a problem for me, a huge problem, because you spend so much time on your bike. And it ain't like in Red Dead where you can just set a waypoint and you're just waiting, watching your horse galloping for 10 minutes, which I enjoyed, actually. Um, you have to ride every single time. And like I said, you spend, I'm going to come out and say you probably spend more than half your time of this game on your bike. So you would think that they would make the bike really, really fun to drive. And at times it is. It is cool. But think of it this way. You're, 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 you see this arcadey, like, looking jump coming up, and it's like, oh, I want to bomb that, like, um, ATV versus motocross style, you know, like, remember those old games, those old, um, four-wheeling games back in the day? I guess they still make them, but for some reason, they're kind of locked back into my childhood, and you could just, you know, jump this huge hill, and with no repercussions, none whatsoever, as long as you landed it right. So imagine you see this awesome hill coming up, you want to bomb it. As soon as you land, if you don't want, if you don't land right, it breaks your bike. So if you're in the middle of nowhere, not not close to a camp, you have to run and look for scrap so you can fix your bike. You can find scrap in abandoned cars. You can find it in abandoned gas stations or you know different buildings and stuff like that. But there were times where I had to, you know, I, I had to take ten or fifteen minutes to go find the amount of scrap I needed to fix my bike because it's not like you can find just one one piece of scrap and have it be repaired no like that's not going to get you anywhere that's going to barely repair your bike and because if your bike gets damaged enough it doesn't perform well and if you damage it all the way then it's completely broken until you can find more scrap so that was a huge problem for me because you'd think wanting they want you to be on your bike this whole time in this game 
and it's not all bad. There are cool parts of it, but I mean, you're you're essentially driving like a road bike, you know, in rural Oregon, and it, never at any time does it ever feel like you're really riding a dirt bike. It, it feels, I mean, in a sense, it's kind of realistic. It's like, okay, I can understand, but it's just not fun. That's the whole thing is they want you to they want you to feel immersed in this world and i can't take the the bike mechanics seriously whenever there's so many other things that are so unrealistic and that just don't make any sense and then just you know the bike is kind of fun once you fully upgrade it i'm you know that's just my opinion but you know it's it can be fun at times there were chase sequences at times like whenever you're trying to find bounty hunters or i'm sorry there's a like bounties that you have to go chase people and they're always on a motorcycle because that's kind of how everyone gets around usually. They call them drifters is kind of a, uh, like you have a drift bike is what they call it. And, um, you know, it it just it just didn't pay off for me. I would much rather have a horse in Red Dead. <laughs> I keep coming back to that, but it's true. Um, I already talked about the repetitive side quests. Okay, so here's another thing too. There's plenty to do in this game, but a lot of it feels samey, and you get deja vu several times in this game because you know how, like, in, and I'm gonna again, I'm gonna reference Red Dead. You know how, like, in Red Dead, whenever you're galloping along, you see a question mark come up on your radar, and you're like, "Oh, I wonder what that is." So you go and gallop to it, and it gives you a general idea of where that question mark is coming from because it's noted on your map. Well, you see a question mark pop up on your map, you ride towards it, and then it disappears, and you're just left to find it. And I'm like, "Where the crap is this?" You know, and Sometimes people are being held hostage by raiders and marauders, and if you take, if you decide to save them, because when you save people, you can choose to send them to a camp. You've saved them, so you can choose to send them to a, to a camp of your choosing, and that gets you credits and, um, you know, trust built with each camp based on where you send them. So you get different amounts of those things depending on who you send it to. There's probably four lines. There's probably four scripts for those NPCs you find. It all feels the same. It's always the same thing. You have one of three scenarios. There's someone held at gunpoint. There's marauders that are just holding them hostage no matter what, or they're trapped in a car. So either one of those, if you find someone that needs help, it's like if you need some credits or you're trying to level up your trust with a camp, go for it. But it always feels like the exact same thing. It feels like it feels last gen. It feels lazy is, is what it comes off as. It's like, wow, I just saved someone 10 minutes ago and they said the exact same thing you did. Literally just a different voice actor said it. So, and I mean, even some of the NPCs, they reuse a lot of the same NPCs, um, the, the character models. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, haven't I saved you before? That's kind of what I felt, you know, and granted that those things do happen in Red Dead as well. But not to this extent. I mean, the guy who gets kicked in the head by the horse and Red Dead, I didn't encounter that for a second time until, like, 60 hours into the game. I mean, it it's just it's just frustrating. It feels lazy. It didn't feel like they... It feels like they could have put more into that. Um, I think that about covers it for gameplay for me. Um, that's pretty much all I wrote down. There's, there's a lot to dissect there. If I had to give that a grade out of 10, I'd give it a 7.5 because there is a lot of good because, I mean, the combat is – the combat does feel solid to me, and um, that's that's a huge part of it. You know, the action is, is a huge part of the game. So I'm going to give it a 7.5, which is not bad. Um, let's, let's move on to the voice acting in this game. There's a lot of really good voice acting in this game from people other than Deacon. 
Deacon, the way he he talks or, you know, I don't know if it was a direction thing or if they just used weird takes and thinking it was going to be more edgy or whatever. It just, there's a lot of the things he says that just does not feel right at all. Um, not to mention the, the mixing in this game, the sound mixing is, is not good. Deacon is supposed to be, for instance, towards the end of the game, someone that that's important to the story dies. And then you go to their camp and then the new leader of the camp, who's a friend of yours now, they say, okay, yeah, the, the people trust you. Why don't you rally them up and you can give a speech? So Deacon goes up to give a speech, and all you hear is just kind of like aimless chatter in the background and like yelling. And Deacon's supposed to be giving a speech, so you think he would kind of project. And he's talking basically like how I'm talking right now. He's like, now Iron Mike, you know, he... He cared about all of us, you know. He 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 really wanted to take care of us, and you know we got We got to get these guys back, and we have to avenge Iron Mike. That's how he's talking. He's walking around around the campfire, talking to them, and there's literally fifty people there that are just like, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't feel right. So I'm not gonna fully pin it on, um, the the voice actor who who you know, voiced Deacon, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame it on uh. You know, the other people, the other voice actors, because there's things like that that happen a lot. I am going to blame it on whoever was the sound engineer and, you know, sound editing and say, what what were you thinking? This is horrible. I mean, it, it's just not good. It's And it could be a bug. Um, it definitely wasn't my headphones, I can tell you that much. Um, but it just, it felt very out of place, and so does Deacon. Deacon, I, I understand what he's doing. I think it's a really good cause, you know, and he, he is trying to be helpful, but the way he talks and the way he acts says otherwise. And you can tell, you know, I don't know if they were going for trying to make him like a really conflicted character because he'll be like super nice to everybody else. But the second he sees like a marauder camp, he's like, oh, I, you know, he's like, I'm going to kill every single one of you, you know, and just very menacing and, and grimacing. And just it just feels out of place. He doesn't feel like I don't buy his character. It feels it's cheesy at times. It's cringeworthy at times, actually, in my opinion. Um so the voice acting as a whole, you know, that that is a huge part of this game. There's so much dialogue. There's so many cutscenes. There's times where it's, it's not. There's times where it's touching and it's good. There's times where it's really, really, really awkward and bad. So I'm just gonna give it a C. I'll give it voice acting seven out of ten, and I think that's being generous, just because, you know, we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But if you think these scores are generous based on what I'm saying, we'll get to why I feel that way a little bit later in the in the uh, review. Um, let's get to the next part of what I want to talk about. We're going to talk about the visuals. Um, this game is beautiful. There's no denying it. Um, the character renderings that they do use are fantastic. The freakers are very, very menacing and scary looking. Um, the, the people you find, you know, the people you meet, they're, they're really good looking. Like I said, it's pict it's picturesque at times. It looks, there, there have been photos I've seen on Twitter floating around of people and it's like, Hey, I know where that's at. What's that from? And I was like, Oh yeah, it's from days gone, but it looks like it's an actual place, like a real photo that was taken, you know, in real life. And, um, there are times where, you know, you're driving around on your bike and you just kind of pan the camera around and you kind of see mountains off in the distance or, you know, it might start snowing just out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, wow, you know, and that is, it's it's very impressive, it's visually very impressive, easily one of the best looking games on console, in my opinion, um, runs 
runs pretty good. Um, I did have a lot of frame rate issues, and I was running a PS4 Pro on a 4K TV, and I did at times have a, a lot of frame rate issues. So, but you know, it's a big game. There's lots of renderings and things like that. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact of how beautiful it is, especially in 4K. So I'm going to give that a 9 out of 10. Um, it's hard to do a review like this without going into se- severe detail and without having a lot of other people to talk to talk about it that have played it. These are just my notes that I found and the things that I wanted to bring out and talk about. And there's a couple of notes towards the end of this uh, review that I want to point out right now. Um, I just wrote down brownie points slash additional notes so sony bend is the people who made siphon filter which if you remember that that was kind of an espionage-esque game back in the you know ps1 era and i think there was a, a game or two on ps2 very very uh, successful gaming franchise um this is the first game that sony bend has ever done like this the game performed very 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 well um money wise it was i think it was number one, and then number two. Like, it was in the top three best-selling games a couple months in a row. Um, you can always email me or tweet at me um, if I'm wrong, but I listened to a lot of podcasts, and I'm pretty sure they all said, you know, they went over the numbers and said, yeah, uh, this this game performed really well. And it's not a bad game. It is very ambitious, and this is kind of getting into my notes a little bit, but this was a very this was a very first uh, this was a very good first game like this to make for Sony Bend and it is very impressive that they were able to re- to to create something like this and I think they suffered from having it be announced so soon you know or for so long for so long kind of built the hype you know because this game has been announced for a few years halfway through the PS4's life cycle. People have been expecting this game for a long time, and they have a lot of high hopes. Lots of people think it's one of the greatest games on console. It is definitely a PlayStation exclusive. It's it is a very good game. Um, there's just problems with it, and that's that's okay. There's it's okay to have problems with a first party exclusive. Xbox, God knows, Xbox has a ton of problems with their first party content. Um, the big things that I I take away from this game is that there's just this game did not need to be an 80 hour experience. You could have done this in like 50. You could have done this in 50 hours, 50 or 60 hours, and then rearranged. The content is all there, and all the good things are there, but rearrange it and place it in such a way to where it feels more natural and it feels rewarding. Don't make me go 15 hours without having to have a, cl- a moment of clarity. There was a mo- there was multiple times during this game where I was like, I'm done. I can't, <laughs> I can't play this anymore. And just because it, it was so slow and not in a good way, it was it was purpose it was purposely slow. But not in a good way in the sense of, you know, go to the camp, get a quest, go all the way out to where it is, come back, turn in the quest. It's like, let me turn in those quests from where I'm at. Don't make me come all the way back into the camp to turn them in and take 20 minutes to do that, literally. Let me turn in my quests wherever I am. If you have a new quest for me, let me go do it while I'm out and about. I mean, that would just would have shaved so much time off of this game. And that's my that's my biggest problem with it, honestly, is it just you go for so long and it just it did it didn't make sense to me um the music is really really good i definitely you know i keep coming back to red dead there that's what the combination of the lonely wanderer versus you know along with um the music it very much felt like red dead redemption 2 to me and i liked i liked that feeling at times um 
there were times where it was just like, I'm just trying to get to where I need to go, and I'm not enjoying this. But the music does add a nice little slice of, you know, specialness to the game. Um, the payoffs you do get are cool, but they still make you feel a little underwhelmed as a whole. It's like, wow, I just went through this entire storyline to get that ending. Okay, you know. Um, there's a lot of things that you're just kind of expected to understand at certain points in these storylines that uh, are never really explained. Um, or they could have they could have really gone deep into it. There's some things that they cut off in this game that they could have saved for the sequel if they're planning on making a sequel. Because there's a lot of there's a, a faction of crazy people that like worship the Rippers. It's a cult called um, I think they're called R.I.P. They, they're just I'm sorry, they worship the Freakers and they're called Rippers. That was a super duper fascinating part of the story that gets that gets its head cut off basically in the middle of the game. So, there for a while, you're thinking that this is kind of like the main purpose of the game is to get the Rippers out of the way, and then they just kind of end that storyline, and that's halfway through the game, basically. So, I was just kind of like, wow. It just felt really anticlimactic and uh, wasted, um, but that's just that's just me. Um, that's kind of all I have right now, or, you know, all I have to say about this game. It's very conflicting because there's there's... There's parts of this game that are absolutely 9 or 10 out of 10 moments. There are, there are parts of this game where it's like, wow, that was awesome. That really paid off. Um, and it, I would mention them if I could remember them. So you have all of this extra stuff that you have to deal with. You have all of this extra nonsense that you're, you know, you... you you have all this extra nonsense that you have to get through to get to the cool parts, and then when you do get to them, you can't remember them because there's just there's so few and far between. And uh, I heard someone say on a podcast that there's like a really good 15 or 20 hour game in here. I think that there's a really good like 50 hour game in there. But I mean, I spent 80 to 90 hours trying to get through, you know, and just kind of be like, you know what? By when I finish this, I'm not going back to it. So bravo to Sony Bend for creating for creating a game to where I could see where they were going with it. But take notes from what the critics are saying. Don't just look at your sales numbers. Give us a better give us a better version of this because you know, you could have done a lot of really really cool things and and done some innovative things. I'd never seen a horde the the horde mechanic is incredibly innovative and I hope that I get a, a sequel with with more of that and some varied, you know, freakers in there because there's the freakers and the hordes are just kind of easy. It's like I want to see like an army of freakers with you know even bigger, bigger uh, mutations and different mutations and things like that it is really 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 interesting. Um, towards the end of the game, they kind of alluded to the fact that there may be some sort of DLC or some sort of sequel of some sort because uh, O'Brien, the um, the medic that helps you in the beginning of the game, that he's been assisting you with stuff. He he's kind of telling you about Nero and telling you about all these things that are happening to the freakers and you do go from um you know place to place and kind of learn what happens what, what what's happened through these various other doctors and medic uh nero specialists or whatever that have basically been studying the freakers and that's another thing too is you find out that nero is studying the freakers um basically as a result of what happened what they let out into the world they're kind of studying that so O'Brien tells you throughout the game that the the freakers are mutating. Um, they're getting they're adapting to the world and they're 
they're becoming more and more and more adaptable. And then the last time you see O'Brien, he takes off of his mask because he's been masked the whole time because the Nero is afraid to breathe the air because they think it's infected. Um, so he takes off his mask and he's totally like being mutated, but he can talk. He looks he looks and he looks like a freaker, but he's talking like a regular person. And then he gets in his helicopter and flies away to wherever the Nero stronghold is. I say stronghold. It's probably some sort of building or something where they're all at. But um, it was it kind of left you on a cliffhanger. And I was like, that's what I wanted more of. Like I wanted more of that stuff. You know, like actual narrative, not not you know just nonsense and filler. It was it was all it was mostly filler, very little killer. So you know, I, I feel like I've said a lot of really good things about this game. There's plenty of questionable things in this game. Uh, this game is rated mature. Uh, there is some language and things like that. Um, the violence aspect, actually, it wasn't quite what I as bad as I thought it was going to be. There definitely is blood and things like that. Um, there's just a lot of really dark narratives and disturbing things. So definitely, you know, I don't let your kids play it. It's definitely meant for adults. Um, I'm going to grade this. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10 overall. That's what the average came out to. The average actually came out to 7.6, but we're going to give it a 7.5. Um, that's a C plus. You know, a lot of people have been saying that a 7 out of 10 is not a bad game. And that's true. A 7 out of 10 is not a bad game. A 7 out of 10 is, is like, you know what? That's passable. That's good. Or I'm, I'm sorry. It's passable. It's not bad, but it's not good. Um, 7.5, you know, all things considered... I'm going to say if you have the time and you just want to experience it for yourself, if you love motorcycles and all that jazz, then, you know, try it out yourself. If you're, if you have a motorcycle, maybe you're like, Hey, yeah, this is, this is believable because I've never ridden a motorcycle, but you might be thinking, you know what? Yeah, this is believable. This is a road bike in rural Oregon. And you know, you're having to navigate all this stuff and whatever you may find it really fun. I don't think it's worth the time, honestly. I think you should wait till it goes on sale. It's not worth buying at full price, I don't think. I think if it was $40, that would probably be the perfect price. Um, so if it went on sale for 20 to 40 bucks, I don't. I think that's well worth your time at that point. It's not a bad game. It's just not an exceptionally good game. So, man, I feel a lot better letting all that out. So I hope, uh, hope you've been sticking around listening to that, to this, <laughs> this whole time. Thank you very much for your support. Um, as always, we are on Twitter um, at Geekly by Weekly. We're on Instagram at Geekly by Weekly. You can email us at geeklybiweekly1 at gmail.com. You can find me, the Gamebriel, on Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, like, you know, you messed this up, you got this detail wrong, whatever, please, I always welcome it. We'll correct it. If you have anything that you'd like us to talk about, feel free to always chime in. You know, let us know how we're doing. Leave us, that, leave us a review on iTunes podcast if you have not. Um, we're trying to get it worked out to where we can have our podcast on multiple platforms. But uh, as for now, it's just on Apple and Podbean. But uh, thank you for your continued support. And uh, if you have a specific game that you'd like me to review, uh, shoot me a, shoot me a message or you know let me know. I'd love to give my thoughts and, and give my time to those who are listening to the show. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will see you next time.